What a difference a day makes. 24 hours, literally things can change so much. We know that living here in Los Angeles with LeBron James, the signing here to L.A., and it really is a reminder of just how quickly things can change. You just have this time where you things might be looking bleak, doesn't seem like there's any positivity in sight, and then all of a sudden, one thing can change literally overnight. And now since then, several other plays have come in. It seemed like the future of the franchise has changed. And again, that's a message that if you're going through this time in life when, hey, things might not be going your way, the outcome might be looking bleak, you don't know exactly what the future holds. Literally one hour, one day, things can change around for you. And certainly if LeBron delivers that championship at L.A., he will be a hero. The entire city will love him. Today's guest, a hero of sorts himself, best known for his role as Hercules in the series Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, which you're listening to the soundtrack to right now, also known for his role as Captain Dylan Hunt in Andromeda. His latest film, his directorial movie debut, Let There Be Light, follows the story of a well-known atheist who struggles with his faith, coming to find God through this jarring experience in his life. Please join me in welcoming Kevin Sorbo. Kevin, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining us. Very good, very good. I was waiting to hear the fake applause, but that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'll, uh, we'll get that for the next time you come on. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about uh, your new film, Let There Be Light. Came out uh, at the at about six months ago, now is available for people to get on Blu-ray and DVD. Are you excited uh, for people to be able to more people to be able to get that and just get into more more people's homes and spread that positive message? You know, it's a it's a wonderful movie. It really is, and uh, I was very honored to be uh, directing it as well and be playing the lead in it. It's a great story. It's about redemption. It's about faith. It's about hope. It's about second chances. It's about uh, uh, you know not not always. Uh, uh, living such a negative world out there that, as you just said, things can change in an hour and things can change in an hour. A lot of it comes down to attitude. As I always tell my kids, if they get in a bad mood, and I said, you know, it's your choice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in a bad mood. It's your choice. <laughs> so um, this is a movie that did very well in theaters with low, you know, little low budget movie. Um, we don't have, you know, you look at movies like the Avenger movies and Thor movies, you know, they come out with $250 million budgets, another $150 million promoting it. Um, we didn't have that kind of money, you know, so we shot this thing on a little over $2 million, but it opened the first two weekends and we finished number two per screen average and just on word of mouth, you know, cause wow. we couldn't get on commercials on TV and all that. And, you know, these kind of movies, um, I call them actors movies. These are movies that, that have a, have a message. They have a meaning. Um, I love the those roller coaster movies like anybody else like those avenger type movies but the reality is you see a hundred buildings come falling down in new york city or whatever city they're beating up and you're going wow they just killed three million people but you know <laughs> people don't think about that so um uh you know this is a movie that people can relate to and get into the characters and ha- you know they can identify with these characters and that's I-, I love doing movies like that and that's why i want to be an actor i think i read that you said this is one of the most uh, important projects you feel like you've ever done why is that well, just like like I said earlier, it just it comes down to what's coming out of Hollywood right now, and everything seems to have sort of an, a negative message. And even in, even if you watch TV now, I mean, every time you watch the sitcom, the parents are idiots, the kids are the smart ones, and um, you know everybody's <laughs> a moron. You know, so um, this is this this movie just it spins a good tale. It's it and, and you will find people in, in this uh, in this movie that you you do understand and relate to. And movies like this. I get stopped all the time. I used to get stopped constantly through airports and malls and filling up at you know the gas station, whatever. And it used to be always Hercules or Andromeda or my guest spots on you know popular TV shows, whatever. Yeah. But 
I get stopped most of the time now for God's Not Dead, Abel's Field, What If, if and now let there be light and say, people say please make more movies like this well you know this this isn't a faith-based world and uh the, the movies that i do but they're not over your head beating you beating you over the head these movies should be able to reach out to the agnostic world even the atheist world i've got i've gotten emails and letters from people that don't have a belief but they said you know your movie struck a chord with me and made me think and to me that's a win uh and that's what this movie is because it does deal with with what people go through in their lives good and bad and how they come over the bad things things and how they can find hope and uh, redemption in their own lives instead of just being so negative and blaming the world for their problems. No, and those positive messages are so important, like you're talking about, with the, the negativity that is in the world, both in people's talks, both in people's actions, and just the energy that it is in the world of people wanting almost to see the bad that happens. I want to be able to plug, if you guys want to follow Kevin uh, after the show, certainly look on his Twitter and his Instagram, Twitter, case at ksorbs, at ksorbs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline on Instagram. You can follow me after the show at the only MC on Instagram and on Twitter. And again, we're here on Popcorn Knock Network, which is at the Popcorn Talk on Instagram and on Twitter. You mentioned movies, you know, Gaza Dead, Abel's Field, so many of these other Christian movies. And it seems that this positive, you know, even whether it's Christian or whether it's just high moral movies are being made more and more. Do you think is, is this because more people are wanting these? Is this because studios are finding that, hey, we put out these these kind of movies, people do flock to this audience, we are making more money from it? Why do you think there has been this shift to more positive movies and more faith-based films? Well, I think, I think first and foremost, people are looking for positive messages. People are tired of all the negativity and all the hate and the anger. Look at the world we live in now. Look at the country we live in. We got politicians telling people to attack people. Just mm-hmm. because they have a different belief, these are the people that scream for tolerance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's, it's laughable. It's it, you know the people that scream for tolerance are the least tolerant people out there and the most violent people out there. Um, I don't really care if people have a different opinion than me. It's that's what freedom of speech is supposed to be about. I don't go out there and say there and get angry at somebody that doesn't have a, a belief in God or a belief in my politics or a belief in anything that I believe in. I mean, that's I love having debates and having a conversation. I don't get angry and want to take up a crowbar to somebody's head just because we have a different opinion. <laughs> so I think that's why people are looking for more movies like this. And Hollywood's finally starting to get it a little bit. I mean, most of these movies are coming out of the independent world, independent mm-hmm. Production companies, but um, you know, you, you call it a Christian movie, or people call them faith-based movies. Every movie is a faith-based movie. Think about it. Atheism is a faith. In fact, Very I think true. atheists have a stronger faith than most Christians do. I mean, Very you true. really got a strong belief not to believe in anything. Yeah, I think that's. I say that to people all the time. It's like you know, we all have faith. It's just faith in something different. You know, people think faith and faith in God, but but you're putting your beliefs and your trust just in something sure. else. In this, Every movie has an agenda. There's no question. Absolutely. In this movie, as well as others, you know, it's the constantly like the, the God versus science, which is, you know, uh, you start out in this movie kind of going through a debate, debating whether God is real, and then it's the science versus faith. Why is it the, the science versus faith such a debate versus why can't that work hand in hand, do you think? 
You know, it's interesting. You talk to some of the biggest scientists in the world that uh, definitely said, you know, there is no God. There's, there's a lot of people that change their minds in later years because you can't prove it and you can't disprove it. And and that's on both sides. And maybe that's where the word faith came from, you know. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the reaction some people. I'm actually doing a documentary right now on the on the math uh, professor at Oxford, John Lennox. If you don't know who he is, please look him up. He's a he's a he's a huge uh, debater against people like Hawkins and Hitchens and all these you know great atheists in the world. And um, it's very fascinating to watch these debates and watch what these men have to say. And I can see why people sit there and go, okay, I get that, or I get that, and that's what it's all about. Out to me, and that's really comes back to the whole freedom of speech thing. And let's have a good debate about it instead of just dissing it. Because right now, scientists they can't disprove that there is no God. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to me, it's like I always say to people that don't believe in, in God. If I'm at, a, at an event speaking or whatever, and I'm sitting at a table, I go, "Well, who made this table?" And they go, oh, "I know somebody made it." And I go, "There you go." <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> the next movie that you're doing, we were talking about a little before the show, East Texas Oil. You said you start filming in a week and a half. What can you tell us about that project? What was the inspiration and what is the message and plot to that? Well, it's a wonderful comedy based on a true story. It's not going to sound like your comedy as I tell you a little bit of the synopsis of it, but <laughs> it's a true story based in 1930 when the Texas oil boom was happening. And there's two uh, two guys I'm playing, being played. One of them, John Ratzenberger. Um, who's probably best known for every voice of, in Pixar movies and also as, as Cliff, the uh, postman in the sitcom Cheers. Um, he and I play uh, con men. We're flim flam men. And we actually go through the obituary pages and we go and woo widows out of their yeah. fortune and get them to put their money into fake oil wells. But what happens is ultimately something changes. <laughs> and so um, they go through their own changes. It is a comedy. It's very funny. Um, we're very good and cl- close getting Lou Gossett Jr. to sign on. Uh, we got Ving Rhames involved in it. We got Gail O'Grady, wonderful actress. Uh, we're putting together a really good cast, and it's uh, it's um, it, we start filming up in Canada, Calgary. People say you can't shoot in Calgary; it doesn't look like Texas. Well, if you face west away from the Rocky Mountains, it's Texas. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that land land is very flat up there. Do you yep. look at where you are in your career now in these sort of projects? These very types of you know positive message projects that are you know very personal you're able to do more things that reflect who you are and your beliefs and you look at your career is this where you thought you would be or you'd be wanting to do these projects or are these the projects that actors are like man i want to be able to do enough stuff but then i want to be able to do these personal projects well you know it's it's a good question because it didn't really happen that way i mean i didn't come out to hollywood from a little town in minnesota and say wow i hope i play hercules on tv <laughs> uh you know i came out here to pursue acting like everybody else does that comes out to this uh wonderful uh, traffic infested high taxes country <laughs> and um and uh, i just followed that dream you know and i always believed and i got myself in with some really good acting coaches and i worked my butt up I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I got from a friend of mine in Minnesota that I've known since I was one and a half years old, um, he said, remember, it's called show business, not show show. And <laughs> so I treat it like a business. You know, I had a double major in college, marketing and advertising. I look at that as I market and advertise myself. So mm-hmm. um, I came out here and busted my butt. I got lucky with, uh, you know, having doing a lot of commercial work, never had to bartend or wait tables or be a bouncer and that kind of stuff. And then I got uh, guest spots on high profile shows and then I got Hercules. And that seven-year show turned into the most-watched TV show in the world, passing Baywatch. And I shot that from 1993 to 2000 down in New Zealand. And I went straight from there to Vancouver to shoot Andromeda, 
um, being a huge Star Trek fan, I was, I'm the first captain, Captain Dylan Hunt yep. is, is the first captain after Captain Kirk. And I signed on immediately because I was such a Star Trek geek. And then that went five years. And then I did a bunch of movies. I've shot over 50 movies since 2005. And in 2010, uh, is where I did my first what you want to call a faith-based movie. And it was called What If, which I mm-hmm. still think is one of the best movies I've ever been involved with. And it was um, a friend of mine, Dallas Jenkins, brought it to me who was directing. And his father's Jerry Jenkins, who wrote the Left Behind novels. And um, I read the movie. I read the script. And I said, well, who's playing Pastor Ben? He goes, I don't know yet. And I said, I want to do it. He goes, Sorbs, I'm telling you, we don't got any money for this. I mean, this is like a low, low budget. And I said, I don't care. I'll, I'll just do it for scale or whatever. I don't care. I want to do the movie. Yeah. And it's a wonderful movie. And it's actually the same writers that did God's Not Dead, which came out a couple years later. But I'm telling people, what if it's a better movie than God's Not Dead? And I can say that without hurting the feelings of Pure Flix or uh, the writers because they're both, <laughs> they're they're the both same. Their, their movies. And it's a wonderful movie and I highly recommend it. You know, so... Um, get out there and do it. But that sort of led the road for me to do the number of faith-based type movies I've been doing. And of course, Let There Be Light was for me just an amazing experience. And I hope people go out and check it out and they can check it on Amazon or they can go to Best Buy or Walmart and pick up the DVD. Was there the feeling that you had, you know, doing what if of, hey, I actually enjoy doing this type of content, this, this impactful content that led to the other movies, The God's Not Dead, certainly uh, a couple of those, and now where we are? Um, yeah, I think there was. It was a great experience. It was a wonderful crew to work with. It was a wonderful story. And to me, um, it was the best script up to that point that I'd ever worked on. And I thought, I'd, you know, I did some really nice yeah. movies before yeah. that. And, um, but it was just a wonderful, I mean, what, just what a great message and a great story with a nice mix Excuse me. Nice mix of comedy in there too. I love the com- the comedy element in anything that I do because um, we got to get to a point where we just laugh about stuff and you get past, like I said, all this anger and hatred that's going on. Because no matter what I'm saying on your program right now, I'm going to get people negative about it. You know? yeah. So how how you know, dare so you much, how so, dare you want so, that positivity, so many, Kevin? Yeah, I know. There's so many haters out there. You know. So I mean, I can say I hate. I love the color blue, and people, well, I hate the color blue. <laughs> I hate you for saying that. You know. So, so it's a no-win situation. So instead of just giving up, I don't care what they say anymore. I'm going to say what I want to say. Going going back to your days, you know, at, at Minnesota State University, and you said double majoring. I know in marketing and advertising. Did you want to be an actor? Was that on the on the radar? And I think I, I you read that you kind of got into modeling to even pay for the tuition. Was that a foray into acting, or when did this entertainment dream and journey start? I was 11. So there you go. So I wanted to be an actor since I was 11 years old. I, I went to the the world-famous Guthrie Theater, and I say that because anybody who knows theater, especially all the Broadway folks in New York, they know the Guthrie Theater. It was started by Arlo Guthrie, a British actor. And it's a very famous theater in Minneapolis, and I saw a Shakespeare play. And I don't know what the heck they were saying. It was Merchant, Merchant of Venice, and I, but I was totally mesmerized by everything about it. And I kind of made that decision there, but I was a jock. And I was a jockey even at that age and all through high school playing sports, mm-hmm. football, basketball, baseball and everything. And um, we made fun of the kids in the drama department. And here I was. I want to be in there, though. I want to <laughs> do it. So uh, it wasn't really until I got into college that I started taking drama classes as well and getting involved with it. And I started doing a lot of uh, commercial work. I guess you could say that's modeling. But I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, TV commercials and things like that to pay the bills. And I did very well with it. I shot over 150 commercials in my life prior to her 
Hercules. So um, that's pretty good, I think. It paid the bills. In high school, did you do any acting then, or was it kind of suppressing that? Because I, I know, and I, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I know how it is. Sometimes you, yeah, you, you look at the kids who do in theater, and it's almost like you're either in theater or you play sports. Yeah, that's true. So no, it, I didn't really get involved in it there. I mean, I really started doing it when I was, when I was in college, but. Um, you know, I, I knew a lot of people. I knew Mr. G, who was our theater drama coach, you know, and I t- would talk to him on my own every once in a while and, you know, well, you should come on and do a play and stuff like that. But I, I think I, I think there was a number of factors. With, and one of them certainly was, um, you know, the jock circle, the jock click that I was in. Um, and also maybe just uh, the, the fear that I wouldn't be any good at it, you know. But do you, do you wish you is, had now? Pardon? Do you wish pardon? you had gotten involved now in high school? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Definitely. I think I think when people go to college or once they get out of high school, especially if you grow up like I did in the same school in a little small town of seven thousand people, yep. it's uh, you know you you sort of stick to what you grew up with. I mean, I love sports. Sports is certainly my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and then you kind of go, okay, this is what I want to do, and then you get to college and you try to try it and play in college, and you realize everybody there is as good or better than you. So, it's, <laughs> it's, so I went to something easy like acting. Where, where everybody, gets, everybody gets a job yeah. very easy. I recommend people just walk into Universal and say, I'd like a job, and they'll give you one. <laughs> yeah, you'll be serving coffee on the lot. That'll be the job they give you. <laughs> when was your you know move to L.A.? Was that a, a natural progression then, knowing that's what you wanted to do, knowing that you did the acting and drama in college, that the next step is moving to Los Angeles? Well, as we all do in lives, especially if you're flaming heterosexual like myself, um, I followed a girl to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> so I, I fell in love with a girl that was a model. And uh, she said, well, I'm going to Dallas for a while. Let's go down there. And I said, you know what? I got two high school buddies that played football at SMU down there. So I said, why not? So I went down there and I stayed for about a year and a half. And I got involved with a, uh, um, a theater group down there. And we did, did a little small productions and uh, took, took acting classes. And uh, did a lot of started doing some print work and more commercials. And then she said, you know, let's go to Europe just for one summer. And then uh, then you go to L.A. And I said, you know, why not? You know, here I am 20, 20. I was 23 years old by mm-hmm. then. I said, why not? Let's go check it out. So we go to Europe in Milan, Italy. And um, uh, I'm walking down the street by myself. My girl's off on a three week shoot or something like that. And this guy approaches me and said, no, I want to use you in my 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 magazine. And that. And I said, okay, and they took these pictures of me. I ended up living in Europe for three and a half years. I live in Milan. I lived in Paris. I lived in Munich, wow. Germany. I lived in Zurich. Um, had a blast. But after three and a half years, I was like, okay, I, you know, I want to really get to do what I want to do. So I moved, uh, I moved to L.A. Um, I already had a really good commercial. Reel. I had no problem getting a commercial agent. Didn't know a soul out here. And, uh, but most people don't when they come out here, mm-hmm. right? And um, so I got out here, and the very first audition I had was for a commercial that shot in Sydney, Australia. I book it, my very first commercial. And I go to Sydney, Australia to shoot this commercial, and I call my agent, and I said, you know what? I'm staying here. So I stayed down there for another half a year, and I did uh, two plays and seven commercials during that six months and had an absolute blast. I finally moved to L.A. I'm now 27 years old, thinking I was going to get there when I was 22, and that's when I started pursuing the whole thing full on. Do you look back at your journey and think – Man, that was almost too easy. <laughs> well, I know it was easy or not. I mean, I didn't get a job right away. It, it took me, you know, a good five years before I got Hercules. But I kept, yeah. I kept working. I kept working, which was good. I, like I said, didn't have to work another job. But um, I have no regrets on going to Europe or Dallas. I mean, Europe to me 
really made me grow up. Yeah, I had my girlfriend with me over there at the time. But, you know, you're in different countries with different languages and you got to learn how to get get around. And it just it was an amazing experience. It was a wonderful time. And I would do it again in a heartbeat. When you auditioned for Hercules, were you feeling that this was your role to lose? Were you feeling confident going in? And then what was your thought when you actually booked it? Well, when they called me initially, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm 6'3". I was yep. 220, 220 at the time when they called me. And um, I kind of went, yeah, okay, I'm a big guy. But I'm not I'm not a 300-pound steroid dude, you know, like yeah. Lou Ferrigno and, yep. and, and Arnie Schwarzenegger <laughs> at their peaks. Uh, I, I, and I told my agent, I said, come on, they're going to want some no-neck dude. And they're, no, 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 no. They're looking, for, they're looking for a guy who's an NFL quarterback size guy or maybe hmm. a decathlete size guy. And I said, okay. So they put me through mild hell in a way. I mean, they made me read seven times over two months. And um, when I got to the last audition, it was just myself against two other guys, I was told they had looked at 2,800 actors in North America wow. for the Hercules. <laughs> so um, once again, to show you how easy it is to get a job. <laughs> and and I, um, I got there. I was in Universal Lot. I was at the Black Tower building. And I always call that the, you know, the building where actors go to die. And um, everybody was there. Sam Raimi was our exec producer and uh, the, the Sid Scheinberg, the president of Universal at the time. It was like 30 people in the room, men and women, all the high power, you know, suits and skirts of, mm-hmm. the, of the industry at Universal. And I, I asked them, what do you guys want me to do? You keep calling me in. I appreciate it. But, you know, you never give me new sides. You never give me new direction. No, no, we like what you're doing. Just read one more time. So I read. And then Sam Raimi said, would you take your shirt off? <laughs> I mean, he asked, <laughs> actually, his his. The female next to him, he hits her, and she has to ask me. So I took my shirt off, and I was in great shape back then. You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my 50s now, but I'm still trying to stay in shape. But anyway, um, uh, Sam says, would you shave your chest and stomach if you got the role? And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted a man for this part. And I started walking <laughs> And I got a big laugh, and they said, well, we'll, get, we'll give you a call. We'll let you know in a few days. And either way, and I said, well, thank you. And I left the next day for uh, Vancouver. To shoot an episode of uh, the the Kamesh, the Michael Chiklis mm-hmm. series, and uh, they called me three four days after I was up there, and they said you got the part, and then the rest is history. Did you realize at that time what that show would become? Like you're saying, played for seven season, most watched show. Did you realize when you booked it what that was? Well, I I knew it would be a great experience. It was going to be five two hour movies for a year. I was mm-hmm. going to be down there for one whole year. I was going to work opposite Anthony Quinn as Zeus. I mean, my gosh, I was blown away. I'm going to work with, you know, six-time Academy Award nominated, two-time winner, 200 films. It's Anthony Quinn for crying yeah. out loud. And um, by the third movie, uh, the relationship I had with Michael Hurst, my sidekick on the show to play Diolis, we started hitting some notes together. And I said, you know what? This is like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the movie. Not mm-hmm. the you know they they glamorize with Paul Newman and Robert Redford what those guys were really like. But I said you know we got a lot of comedy. We're on the road. We're we're fighting bad guys. Blah blah blah. And I said I think they're going to pick this up as a series. Well, three weeks after I said that, my agent called and said you're staying there. They're picking it up as a series. Wow. And by our third season, we passed Baywatch as the most watched show in the world, and we had two highly successful spinoffs. I mean by. Our third year, we spun off Xena. and our fifth year, we spun off Young Hercules. That show only lasted two years, and most people don't remember who played me as a teenager, but it was a 20-year-old Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. And I told him, I said, Ryan was all bummed out, and I said, Ryan, you're young, you're 21 now, you're a good actor, you'll do fine. I think he's doing okay now. He's, you know, he's had a one or two successful yeah, I think maybe projects. this guy should throw me a bone and put me in one of his movies. <laughs> Did you, have you talked to him since? I mean, is that... Uh, I, 
Look, I, I have not seen him since then. It's been that long. I, I've obviously seen his meteoric rise to stardom, but uh, we were both in the same building for the DGA. I've been directing since my Hercules years, so mm-hmm. I was at the DGA event uh, where it's only in directors are invited, and, you know, and they bring in hotshot actors to present the awards out. And he was on stage presenting, but he never came out into the uh, tables that are in the audience. So I was hoping to go say hi to him. So I'm sure he showed up in a limo in the back room, did <laughs> his five minutes and walked off and took off for Starbucks or something. Well, uh, it's certainly yeah, a crazy start for him. You know that I know you're talking about a couple of seasons in and I know you, you've talked about this in your book, True Strength. And, you know, looking back at your career almost derailed because of medical and health issues, did you think at that time that that was a possibility, that it was, like, no more acting? Um, it was actually end of season five. I've got a book out called True Strength mm-hmm. where True I strength. write about this. And so we even go on to Amazon, too, and get the book. It's I do a lot of speaking events on it. I was having all kinds of problems on my left shoulder. I was doing most of my own stunts. I would say at least 90% yeah. of them because I, I loved it because it was a jock in me. Yep. I, was working, I was working, you know, 12 to 14 hours every day on the set. I was lifting weights two hours every day. Um, 16 to 18 hours door to door was typical for me. So there were long days, but I loved it. I'm not whining about it. No, 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 I know. And, um, I started problems with my left arm and I, you know, I was was getting bumps and bruises and, you know, cuts from sword fights and stuff like that. But I, I, I kind of blew it off and I came back to America to do promotion on my first big budget movie called call the conqueror, which is the Mm -hmm. prequel of Conan the barbarian. And, um, we shot that for universal studios over in Croatia and Slovakia and uh, I was doing all this publicity my arm was bugging me more and more and more finally went to see a doctor and they found a lump in my shoulder way up in my left subclavicle and before they could do anything that lump ended up being an aneurysm that completely opened up sent hundreds of clots into my left arm but three clots went into my brain I suffered three strokes yeah and obviously I could have been killed instantly I could have been in a wheelchair the rest of my life I could have been you know one went to my vision one went to uh, balance one went to speech Worked very hard to get my speech back. Um, balance took a long time as well. It took about three years for me to feel 100%. I still have a 10% loss of vision in both eyes, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate. And the, the book is, I didn't want to write the book because uh, the male ego says don't let people see how weak you became. Mm-hmm. So um, I kept it very quiet. The studio kept it quiet. I mean, I think in today's internet world, it wouldn't have been kept quiet, but this happened back in 1997. And the strokes happened in L.A. on the very same day that uh, Princess Di died. So she kind of dominated the news. And they, they had a segment on me. Kevin Sorbo was in the hospital, but he's fine because uh, Universal wouldn't let out the information. Yeah. Well, today, doctors, nurses, whatever pages will get paid now by these, you know. Oh, yeah. There will be a tweet out breaking news. Oh, heck, yeah. They get paid now. They say, hey, we'll give you 500 bucks if the star comes in and you know, give us the dish on it, you know. So, um they were able to keep it quiet. And I went back to New Zealand four months later after I got my balance back to a degree. And um, I went on Hercules. I wanted to keep the show going, which I'm grateful I did. But, you know, yeah. they wanted to keep it going because it was a cash cow for them. And they, um, you know, I worked one hour a day that first two months. In two hours, a couple months later, I mean, they slowly built me back up. But they kept my character alive. But they did a lot of stunt casting. and uh, Had a lot of guest know, stars for- come in, I know. You know, and just yeah, you know, it's it was it was it was it was tough. It sucked, but yeah, did I think my career is going to be over? Yeah, I thought that, you know I'm I'm grateful the show's going to keep going, but I saw the recovery over the last two seasons and the first season of Andromeda, and I knew I'm going to be all right. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. If you you know you think and you know when that happens and oh if my career is over, you maybe start thinking of next steps. Were you that far thinking if this doesn't get better, what is my next step and what would that have been? Uh, I didn't know. 
I didn't know. My focus was I'm going to act. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. Hmm. I mean, through the power of, of prayer and fighting. Trust me, I, I as we all do, there's there's no matter if you have faith or not. I think, you know, there there are no atheists in foxholes. Right. I mean, you start screaming <laughs> at God and screaming at the world and then you realize, you know, I got to look in the mirror and I got to sit there and go, OK, I, I'm going to get past this. My wife. Uh, gave me a mantra to say every day. She says, I want you to look in the mirror and say, I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger and say it over and over again until you believe it for that day. And that's a reality because we spend so much time, like I said, blaming everybody else for our problems. Oh, I, you know, I, I, this, I didn't get this job because of him or her or this and that. And the life is against me. You know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. This life is going to be tough. It's just the way it is. And if you want to get better at anything, you got to push, push, push because rejection is part of the game, no matter what world you're in. At what point did, religion really start to play a role was it around this time was this always something that you believed in and you know really started being vocal about it i know kind of later in your career but where was that breaking point was it this time well you know i've always been a christian i don't Mm -hmm. remember saying i'm a born again i'm not perfect you know i do stupid things every day um man is sinful by nature we all do you know (laughs) part of being a man right so um but i uh but yeah, that put me through a tough time. It wasn't a tough time in believing in a God, but uh, you know, I certainly had my talks and my prayers and my frustrations and my anger. And uh, but that motivated me. That that kind of that just kept sort of the, the fire was fueled. To, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. And um, you know, I, I it was really was Thy will be done over and over again all the time. You know, but um, I never got to the point. Okay, what am I going to do? If if I got to walk away from acting because I just didn't. I I wouldn't allow myself to think that way. Because if you think it, then it almost starts to grow. You planted that seed. You know, it does. And I tell people, you know, we talk negative about yourself. It happens. Stop talking negative. Be more positive about who you are. And you're going to find a better life. You know, the best advice I got from somebody was say, get all the negative people out of your life. And there were negative people in my life. And I got rid of them. And within two years, I got Hercules. And I noticed how better my life got in terms of not only my personal life, but my professional life as well. When I got rid of the people that wanted to drag me down with them. And I just said, you know, get them. If you got to be by yourself, be by yourself. But find people that are positive about you, not negative. Because it's just a waste of time. And it only does is hurt you. I've always heard that, that it's an interesting thing of being successful sometimes means being lonely. Because you're committed and you're the one who's putting in the hours. You're the one who's doing the hard work. And sometimes, you know, that means not going and hanging out with people. Sometimes that means blocking certain people out of your life. Do you relate to that? That sometimes to be successful, you need to experience this loneliness to be able to just push forward? Well, there's a thing down in New Zealand they call a tall poppy syndrome. And if your poppy grows taller than all the other poppies, they want to cut your poppy down. And we have that in America. Yep. We have that around the world. I call it socialism, okay? <laughs> people, th- people think that if we're all the same, life would be better. You know what? Socialism doesn't work. It's never worked. I just read some article about how the millennials want to be in, in, in a socialist world. Are any, is anybody swimming from Key West to Cuba, by the way? <laughs> it's like – it, it doesn't work. It's never, ever worked. Uh, socialism completely destroys self-esteem. It destroys drive. It st- destroys dreams, motivation, destroys hope. It, I mean, we're not all the same. You know, Tiger Woods will always be a better golfer than me. You brought up LeBron James' name. He will always be a better basketball player. But what do those, what do those guys do in, the, in this sports metaphor for other people that love sports? It makes them work harder. Mm-hmm. It makes them want, you, you don't think LeBron James was inspired by Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and people like that? Come on. No. You know, it's, it's just it's the way it is. And it, it's a good thing. What made this country great were individuals, not government. It was 100%. always individuals, people that had a dream and a, a goal. 
And now we're starting, we want to take that away from this country. And that's sad to me. You know, it's just sad. I'm what? not against immigration. So I love people when I make a comment. Why don't we just follow laws? Oh, they just attack me. And I'm going, God, <laughs> we have laws. If I wanted to move to New Zealand, I've got to bring a business with me. Yeah. They're not going to let me in. They just want to open their borders. Mm -hmm. yeah. I always tell people that want open borders, then you better not be locking your house at night. You better not be locking the doors to your car. You should have things wide open, windows, doors, everything. There's a reason why we lock our doors and windows. It's the same reason why we should have borders that protect our country. Come on, come on people. It's common sense. What would you say is the biggest thing you learned about yourself during those years, during that you know five-year period where – you know, you're you're on a high and then you have these health scares and then you're working your way back and, and you get back in Andromeda and you're able to kind of get back. What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself, you know, mentally, physically? Well, I think I think first and foremost, I had wonderful parents, amazing parents that instilled strong wills and a strong work ethic in all five of us kids. I'm the fourth of five kids and we all uh, grew up. And just hit the pavement and worked really hard to get successful in whatever worlds we wanted to get into. Heck, I started a paper out when I was nine years old in Minnesota. Can you imagine six days a week for seven years delivering newspapers through those five months of winter? I was going to say, I, I grew up in Wisconsin, so I know the summer months you seem know. great. The winter you months know. are not fun. And I won't bring up my Vikings beating your Packers twice last year. Whoa, anyway. Okay. <laughs> But uh, it's, 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 it's hard work is what it comes down to. And I think that what my parents instilled in me and the faith that I had, uh, you know, I just, I just pushed myself harder. And I wasn't going to let this thing beat me. And that's what people got to get to the point. We're always going to have bad luck. You know, I, I didn't have everything happen overnight for me. I mean, I, I worked very hard to get to where I'm at. I didn't have success in my 20s as an actor. It happened when I hit my 30s, you know. But so many people give up. And they just move on. I, there's only a handful of guys that I know that I used to go up against that are still in the business one way or the other. They moved on to be car salesmen or whatever else, or they left the state completely. How, who are those guys? Who do you yeah. think? I'm not, not going to name people. All right. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I know we're, we're talking a lot about you know the current state of the culture and certainly the negativity that's out there and people wanting to blame you know one side or blame another side. And certainly uh, there's a lot with politics, a lot with religion. How do you think we bring people together? How, do, how What should we do to bring people together? Yeah, what should we do? Or is there an attitude change that people need to have to, to just not be so contentious and not be able to just put up walls when they to, meet there someone? Has be, there has to be a, a, a change of opinion. But how do you do that? You've had 50, 60 years of, of a mainstream media, of a very biased left-wing media. So when you grow up, and all you do is hear that same message over and over again, uh, then, then you know, that's what you believe. And you, I, I, I understand how people get so crazy and fervent and, go and start screaming about this and that and the other thing. But, you know, I don't scream about it. I sit there and go, guys, let's talk about it. Let's really let's look at the facts here instead of just sit there. You know, once again, to get back to all the, the border control happening right now, this stuff happened under our last president as well. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, why aren't we upset about the people in our own country that are living homeless, the kids in our own country that are living in poverty, the kids in our own country that are, are in uh, that are in uh, sex trafficking. I mean, it's unbelievable. And we're worried about people that aren't even part of this country. Let's let's worry about our own country right now for a while. We have so many problems right here. Look at our public education system. Who runs that? Oh, the government. How do we rank? 27th in the world. California ranks in the bottom three states in the country for worst public education. Mm -hmm. 
How can we possibly be proud of stuff like that? It's an easy change. Get rid of the government that's, that's controlling it. Anything the government comes into. There's a great Ronald Reagan quote. He said, these are the greatest words to fear. Hi, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember that. You voted uh, for Donald Trump, I know, in 2016. How do you think he's doing with all this? And do you think uh, that you'll vote for him again in 2020 if he runs? Yeah, I think he's doing great. I mean, black unemployment is down 50% from what it was under Obama. I mean, the economy is it's a strong economy every quarter since he's taken over. I mean, everything he's has mm-hmm. been doing has been great. But they're not going to give him any kudos for that. They're not going to give him any applause for that. They just go after him for some of those dopey things he said. Does he say dopey things? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's got a big ego. Are you telling me no politician has an ego? <laughs> My God. <laughs> these people These people live in – they all live in, in just – you know, bubbles. They have no idea. And they have it, no idea. And he uses it to, to play them to a certain extent with, sure. you know, knowing that they're going to say these things. And he, he picks and he prods and he knows how to get the get to the core there. Well, he's a, he's a smart guy. There's no question. You know, anybody who becomes president is a smart guy. But there are a lot of people around them, too, that are smart people. Mm-hmm. And no matter what political side you're on. But there is an agenda out there. There's no question in terms of where this country is going. I mean, I, I would say California certainly has become a socialist state and the country is moving that way too. And once again, please tell me what's great about socialism. I mean, Maggie Thatcher, one of her great quotes, the socialist prime minister of England said, mm-hmm. the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money and you do, but people do not get that. Yeah. I know you've been very outspoken with your political views, with your you know religious views and Christianity and what impact do you think that has had on your career? I know you talked about it before where you think you've been blacklisted a little bit. What impact do you think that has had on your career? Do you think that, it, that it's been worth it? And what do you think that will look like for your future? Well, I have been black, blacklisted, but that happened 10 years ago. So um, I really don't care anymore. That's what I'm saying. Hollywood is the biggest voice for freedom of speech and tolerance, yet they have no tolerance for anybody who disagrees with them. And freedom of speech is a one-way street. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And do I have I been blacklisted? Sure, I have been. I mean, I uh, it, it's funny. Um, I don't have an agent anymore. I don't I have a manager anymore. And I've shot over 50 movies since 2005. And hmm. 40 of those I got on my own and my own hard work. So, um, you know, thank God for independent movies. They're still out there. I've got a number. I've got three other movies ready to shoot over the next six months after I finish this next project. So I love the industry. I love the creative process of it. Uh, I'm tired of the BS of it. I don't, you know, I don't care if you're a liberal. Why can't we still work together? Um, it's weird to me. It's weird that there's so much anger and hate out there with no common sense. No, I, I, it comes down to ignorance. It comes down to being uneducated about really what the topics are out there. I got stopped before the election by about 15, 20 some year olds. Okay. Mm-hmm. They all had Bernie Sanders t-shirts on. I said, why do you want Bernie Sanders? Oh, we'll get free stuff, free education. I go, it's not free. You know, it's not free, right? I mean, they, they just think, they just think it's free and they don't want, and they, they don't have any drive in their lives. And I said, and I looked at one of them, I said, how much money you got in your pocket? And he says, what? How much money you got? And he finally says, I don't know, 40 bucks. I said, give me half of it. And he says, well, no. I said, that's a problem. That's why socialism doesn't work. You want my money, but you won't give me yours. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll ever be a part of a, a big blockbuster movie or TV franchise again? Um, I would love to do TV again. Uh, big blockbuster franchise. My biggest chance ha- happened back in 2000 when Hercules finished. And uh, everybody wanted me for Cyclops on the first X-Men movie except mm-hmm. the director, Brian Singer. He didn't want me. 
So, um, you know, I think it would have worked well because I'm big. I'm, I'm, you know, Hugh Jackman and I are both big guys. Mm-hmm. I think that square off would have been pretty good. And, uh, but you know, that, that sort of took, that would have been a huge for my, my career. There's no question. But I think unless Hollywood changes its mind or, or, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I doubt if it'll happen. I would love to get another series off the ground and I'm working on that right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's weird. You know, like I said, they're just, they're angry. They're angry for the sake of being angry. And, uh, you know, the, I don't regret finally opening my mouth because I got tired of it, but I never hid the fact that I was a conservative or hid the fact that I was a Christian from anybody. And I'm probably a bad Christian. I don't go out and preach to people. I don't sit there and recite the Bible verses. I just, I have my belief in my way and, uh, that, you know, Look, I do movies like I'm doing now, like Let There Be Light, wonderful movie. I've had Christian mm-hmm. groups saying it was too Christian. I've had other Christian groups saying it wasn't Christian. <laughs> so you kind of go, you cannot win with anybody. I said, but overall, do you think still it was a good movie with a good message? Well, yeah, it was, but you should have had more of this or less of that. And you're just like, oh, my Again, God. People looking for the negative. You look for the negative, you find the negative. You look for the positive, you find the positive. There you go. There you go. Is that new series, uh, is that dealing with, with fantasy? Because I know you, you're a big fan group there, obviously with Hercules, obviously with uh, well, I, Andromeda. Got, is that something that you want to get back into? I would love to. I've got a wonderful sci-fi series, and the Sci-Fi Channel held onto it for two years and did nothing with it, which hmm. is so annoying. And it would be an amazing um, one-hour TV series in the sci-fi world. It would be amazing. I have another one that's a really good family one, which we haven't seen on TV for years, but it's in the vein of Highway to Heaven, Touched by an Angel, um, uh, Seventh Heaven, but or Little House in the Prairie, that kind of thing. So it's, it's not Touched by an Angel. If it's anything, it's Punched by an Angel, but it's got, <laughs> it's got good drama to it uh, and a great story based on a true story in South Africa, and we're trying to put that together right now. What drives you? in your career right now? I like to stay busy. I like work. I, like I said, I still love the creative process. I love being on the set. I love, I love directing. I love working with people, talented people from both sides of the camera and, and creating something that came out of one guy's mind, one writer. Writers have the toughest job. Um, and we, this script is an amazing script written by Dan Gordon, the East Texas oil we're doing right now. Dan Gordon was a, an Academy award nominated, uh, writer for The Hurricane with Denzel Washington. He wrote White Earp, Kevin Costner. He mm-hmm. wrote Passenger 57 with Wesley Snipes, and he was a showrunner. He wrote 60 episodes of Michael Landon's show, Highway to Heaven. So a great, talented writer, and uh, we got a great script. In 15, 20 years, 25 years, people look back on your career and your life. What are three things that you want people to be able to take away? He was a, he was a, a pro to work with. He was easy to work with, and he uh, he stuck to his guns. What would you consider to be your definition of success? As we close down this, we've talked about a lot of the things that you've done, different types of projects, different genres, big budget, small budget. What is your definition of success? Following your dreams. Whether they come true or not, you follow your dreams. And uh, one more thing. Sorry, don't let people set your limitations. That's what holds you back. Hmm. What advice? Uh, do you have any other advice? I know you just said that right there. Don't let other people set your limitations. What other advice do you have for people maybe starting on that path in Hollywood, maybe hiding some of their beliefs? What do you say? You know what? Yeah. It really comes down to once again just being yourself. You know, don't, don't worry about it. You don't have to walk around and say, 
hey, I believe this politically or I believe this religion. If it comes up to you, then, then don't back down from it, but don't, don't get confrontational about it. That's the trouble. People get, they get so, oh my, oh, you're one of those. And you're like, well, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> so are, are, are the Christians doing, are, are the Christians flying airplanes in the buildings right now? Are they, are they the ones blowing up places that I'm unaware of? Because I, I haven't seen that yet, but maybe all the news <laughs> I watch, I'm just missing those stories. Yeah, I think the, those headlines get buried, certainly. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, So appreciative of opening up. And certainly, definitely want to check out your movie, Let There Be Light. Again, you can get that right now on DVD. You can get it online. Want to be able to support you there. And also want to be able to support the new movie, East Texas Oil, which, again, you said would be coming out in six to nine months to be able to support you. Kevin, thank you very much. Thanks. We'll come back on when East Texas Oil comes out. Absolutely. Can't wait. Guys, hope you'll be able to learn a little positive message. Again, there's so much positivity out there. And you can see that negativity, and you can be able to focus on that and let it consume your life, or you can look at the positives. You can look at all the good that's happening in the world, and you can say, man, I want to be a part of that. How do I fan that flame? And I think that's definitely the message that we can pull out of this today. Certainly, thank you guys all for joining us. We are available here on Popcorn Talk Network. Proud to be here. You can find us live on YouTube at 410 every single Monday. You can also watch us and listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Want to be able to Plug Kevin Sorbo on Twitter at KSorbs, at KSorbo on Instagram. You can follow me at the only MC on Instagram and on Twitter, and certainly Popcorn Talk at the Popcorn Talk on Twitter and Instagram. Please like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend. We're able to provide this content for you guys for free. Just tell someone, give us a comment, drop a, a like, subscribe. We appreciate you guys. We want to be able to help you guys grow in your journeys and be able to reach your peak of success. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.